Welcome to the Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month special podcast series, part of CBP's Shine a Light Suicide Prevention Program. Today, we're speaking with Terry, a Border Patrol agent, and Dr. Kent Corsell, CBP's Suicide Prevention Program Manager. In June of this year, Terry lost his son to suicide. Dr. Corso and Terry had several conversations about Terry's loss, and they thought it would be helpful to share with you a little more about Terry's experience. Thanks so much for joining us today and for doing this podcast. This is the first in a podcast series for Suicide Prevention Month, which is September. Just a few disclaimers before we get going. I am a clinical psychologist, uh, so I am a doctor, but I'm not your doctor. This isn't a therapy or counseling session, nor is anything we talk about today going to involve medical advice. This is just a conversation. Another disclaimer, suicide's a difficult topic to talk about. And it's not one that we can be vague or indirect about if we hope to make a difference in suicide prevention and awareness. So for the listeners out there, we're going to have a frank conversation today. And if you are triggered, if you have lived experience, if it's upsetting or distressing to you, uh, please get help. Uh, please reach out to those who care about you, who you love, who love you. And know that if you are a CBP employee or family member, you can always contact peer support, chaplain, the veteran field coordinators, or our employee assistance program. For those listeners who are in the public who are not CBP employees or family members, you can always call 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Lifeline. Terry, you and I met a few months back after I learned uh, that your son had ended his life. And as the suicide prevention program manager for Customs and Border Protection, I thought to myself it would be helpful to learn more about what your experience was. For our listeners out there, someone who has lost a loved one to suicide, we call that a loss survivor. And so... I don't love labels, Terry, but, but to know that you're a lost survivor is pretty important because it means you have lived experience and a very unique perspective on the magnitude of suicide and, and how it can impact someone and perhaps even a whole system of people. So would you mind taking us back to that day and just telling us a little bit about what happened in June? Uh, sure. Uh, I can remember it just like it was yesterday. Uh, you know, it's been, uh, going on three months now. And, uh, I can tell you that time has kind of slowed down. It seems like it's been about two years, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of surreal. Uh, I, uh, the, uh, the night of, uh, June 15th, my son, Terry was, uh, uh, detailed or he had been detailed. And so he was out there working, uh, He's a border patrol agent, uh, 12 years in. And, uh, that night he, uh, was with his, his wife, my, my, uh, daughter-in-law. And, uh, they had been fighting. Uh, they had, had had a lot of, uh, marital problems. And I, I know that, uh, he, he mentioned that to me, uh, 
And, uh, that night they were fighting and, uh, 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 really, uh, in an intense way, you know, really into it, but they had both been drinking. And, uh, my, I had been told that my son was, uh, had been drinking hard liquor and that he was, uh, out of control, I would say. And, uh, so, uh, they were fighting, yelling at each other. And then he just out of the blue turn, got into his bag, came out with his service weapon and he ended his life. Uh, we didn't know about it. That was probably 11 or so at night on the 15th. Uh, I didn't have any thinking back on it. I didn't wake up at certain times or have a weird feeling or anything like that. Uh, I woke up earlier than normal that morning of the 16th and, uh, got dressed and actually left the house early, uh, earlier than I normally do uh, for a six o'clock start at my station. Uh, I'm a border patrol agent. I've been in about 29 years going on 30 here. And, uh, so I left the house early and I stopped by, uh, Starbucks and got a drink. And then I headed into my station and I've been working on the uh, maintenance crew for the last few months because of, of a shoulder injury. And, uh, so I, uh, I arrived to work just like any other day, although early, uh, a couple of my, uh, my, uh, associates that I work with on the, on the unit were there and no supervisor. Uh, we're sitting around just like we do every morning, just talking, having a cup of coffee and, uh, the supervisor walks in and he's walks in back and forth across the room, doesn't say anything and then walks out. And I, I looked, turned to my buddy there next to me and I said, Hey, uh, that was kind of weird, wasn't it? He says, yeah. Did, did you expect before that moment, Terry, did you, did life feel any different? Did work feel any different? Did you sense that this day would be different in some way? Absolutely not. No indicators, no nothing okay nothing. so so go on so so you you turned to your buddy and said wow that was kind of weird that was and he looked at me and he says yeah i don't know and uh so then shortly thereafter he came back in the room and then my patrol agent in charge who's number one at my station came in uh with another guy that i did not know and my as they walked in my supervisor says hey guys let's go outside and he takes my other uh, co-workers out of the room. And so as they, as, and this other guy uh, walked in, uh, I looked at him and I said, hey, uh, are you guys here for me? And my initial thought was uh, OIG or internal affairs. And, you know, I'll tell you the uh, uh, having a clear conscience is worth a billion dollars because <laughs> I had, I had nothing to hide. So I was like, you know, I'm thinking, Hey, are you here for me? And then he sat down next to me and he started and I could tell in his voice that there was something there. Uh, and I asked him to stop. I said, hold on a minute. Cause I wasn't ready for it. Uh, I said, hold on a minute, hold on. And then I had that real, uh, uh hard sinking feeling, you know, chest and, and stomach. I'm like, what's going on here? And then, uh, 
continued on and he told me that Terry had taken his life that night. And I'll tell you, man, it was like, even, even now, as I think back on it, it was, uh, the only, the only thing I can tell you is that it was like, was like a tsunami hit, you know, just over overwhelming, huh? Just absolutely overwhelming. And I think I got up and I threw some stuff around and I, I don't know exactly, but I ended up in a corner. I, 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 and I don't even consciously remember going to the corner or anything like that. And all I remember is telling myself, it's going to be all right. You know, it's going to be all right. He's a serious guy and I, I absolutely trust him. And I know that if he's bringing me something like that, then it's 100% true. You know, he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't offhand just say something like that without absolutely knowing for sure. So it sounds like maybe in your mind, you were sitting there thinking this can't be real. Uh, and, and as you're sort of questioning it, you remember that this coworker is someone who is trustworthy, that this person is, is looking after you. Yeah, absolutely. But I'll tell you what, uh, I, that didn't cross my mind as far as this is real. Well, is it real or not? Like this can't be real. It was like, uh, I accepted it completely at that point when he first told me. It sounds like you're also kind of coaching yourself. What did you say to yourself? I was telling myself that it, it's, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. That's all. The only thing I could remember trying to hold on to in that kind of storm. I mean, it was, it was, uh, really crazy. I don't know how long I was there, but I was just standing there and those two were standing there with me, you know, giving me a little bit of space, but standing there also. And then my wife's, look, my wife popped into my mind and my first thought was, oh my God, this is going to be bad. I've got to get to her and tell her. And, uh, so, uh, on, on the way home, I tried calling my older daughter, uh, because I needed someone at the house that would help me with this. Uh, little did I know that, uh, they had sent two chaplains to my house to notify me. And had I not left early that, that morning, they would, they would have, uh, contacted me there at the house. Terry, so I'm clear. It sounds like you had multiple proactive people between your supervisor, between the chaplains and peer support. That's great. That's great. It, it was, it, it, and, uh, the only, but the only thing was, uh, uh, cause we were headed towards the house. He says, uh, yeah, we have two chaplains at the house. And I said, well, tell them to leave, tell them to go down the street to leave because I do not want my wife hearing this from anyone other than. So you wanted to make sure that she heard it directly from you. Not that she sort of got a funny vibe by a bunch of people being around the house. Yes, absolutely. Uh, cause she's, she's really, uh, a private and, uh, it wouldn't, even if they had notified me, they wouldn't have went in with me to tell her because, uh, she's, she wouldn't have liked that out. I'm 100% sure. At the end of the day, at the end of the week, I mean, what kinds of feelings were you left with? Because I think you're in a different place now and, and I'd like to maybe hold off on where you are now and just wait a minute or two, but what were you left with at the end of that day, at the end of that week? Well, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of uh, surreal, you know, I mean, it was like, not so much that it, 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 it wasn't happening because I accepted it completely, but I, I, I really kind of kicked into mode because there was a lot of stuff to do, you know, 
I had to let everybody in my family know. And I, I, I kind of took on the father husband role, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and kind of fell into that. So there were things to do, which was, was kind of a, uh, distraction mm-hmm. from it all semi distraction. Um, and also, you know, uh, I was right off the bat, uh, like accepting it right off the bat. How did you do that? How, how did you do that? I, I, I imagine many people would be in disbelief, would be angry, would question. But you said that three or four times now that you really accept it right off the bat. I did. I did. And, it, uh, you know, I, I was asked about my resiliency, you know, my resilience. Uh, how do I do that? How that kicked in when, uh, when this tragedy happened. And I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you the things that keep me, kept me resilient and kept me kind of sane in that whole storm, uh, was number one God and, uh, my, my, uh, my, uh, faith in God and, uh, his sovereignty in my life. And I'm, you know, you know, I always kind of knew that, you know, that's a, that's a really important part of my life, but you never know how you're going to react until something like this happens, you know, and it absolutely did kick in. Uh, I never, even to this day, I don't ask why did this happen or question it. It, that my faith in God has really softened the edges on that. That's amazing. That's it makes a ton of sense. We know that spirituality, faith, that that is a part of resiliency skills. It's definitely one aspect to our resilience. And I imagine our listeners are wondering what the other pieces of resilience are that, that helped you sort of accept it right away and then cope with it. Yep. Uh, the second thing that I would say would be, uh, my mindfulness, uh, meditation practices. Uh, a few years back, I, uh, went to a, uh, uh, mindfulness for first responders class, all day class. And, uh, I started a mindfulness practice and, uh, I've been doing that ever since. And I'll tell you, it, it really, uh, had an impact on me uh, as far as, uh, uh, you know, some of the, the basic pillars of mindfulness are acceptance of accepting what's going on inside of me being aware of what's going on inside of me, either emotions or thoughts or whatever it is, and uh, allowing it to be, not fighting it, you know, accept it and then let it go, just let it go, let it be kind of thing, and uh, without judgment, so no judgment upon it. And that, in that practice, in doing that over and over and over again, uh, I, I think well, I know it translated to this, if that makes any sense. Well, before, before we shift gears and, and talk about post-traumatic growth, anything else within your resilience aside from God and your mindfulness that you think helped? Yep. Uh, family, mem- family, uh, my, uh, you know, uh, support from the family, uh, the Al-Anon meetings and the Al-Anon program. I've been doing that for about seven, eight years or so. And, uh, you know, and then when I came back to work, the support of my, my command staff at work, invaluable. You know, I mean, because if I come to work and it's not 
conducive to, <laughs> to, uh, I, I don't even want to say relaxation, but, uh, it, you know, definitely if, if work environment is not good, it can have a, a very negative impact. I, I don't know where I would have went with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it sounds like whereas some people may focus inward after a difficult event, you focused outward, you looked to friends, you looked to family and you had a work environment that was very supportive and that was pretty critical for you. Absolutely. Almost overwhelming uh, with the support that I got from work. It to include the chaplains, the peer support guys, uh, the everybody. Yeah. Just a question. I, I had, when you and I spoke recently, you shared where you are today with everything. And I interjected and said, Terry, do you know that that's actually a real thing? It's called post-traumatic growth. And you laughed and you were sort of you sort of said, really? You're kidding. This is a thing. So can you tell us where you are today in, in just a few words? Yeah, you know, I am, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because my my family members, is, uh, the women in my life, my two daughters and my wife were telling me that, uh, you know, it's okay to cry, dad. You know, it's okay to be sad. And I, and I told them that, you know what? I do cry. I do. It, it hits me at different times especially late at night, you know, two o'clock in the morning, I'll wake up and it does come and it's like a wave, you know, I ride the wave. I allow it to be, I don't reject those feelings at all. And, uh, uh, I just kind of let them subside on their own, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and now, I mean, to build upon that, uh, I am, uh, I don't want to say I'm in a good spot, you know, like it's, it's the, it's, I've never been better. No, I, I still have those moments, you know, when, cause I miss Terry every single day, every single day. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, it's where I am now is I've kept that same, uh, uh, non questioning. I, I stay out of that type of thought. Uh, the one that did kind of give me was, Hey, perhaps you should have, you should have done this. You could have said that kind of thing. And, uh, I've worked through some of that. And, uh, uh, I know it's not rational thought because I don't have a time machine and I can't go back and change anything. And that's kind of a, a mantra kind of thing that I go through is real, but not true. Those feelings are real. Those thoughts are real. They're viscerally real because I can feel them, you know, my heart rate races and all of that, but they're not true. You know, and if I can separate myself from that and allow that to be, uh, it's, it's better. It is better. It, it sounds like if you maintain this sort of like openness to what is going to come tomorrow, the next day, the next week, the next month, that sort of sense of openness prevents you from getting into those sort of bear traps or landmines in, in your mind. And one last thing, Terry, you had said something about learning and that you, you feel like this is a lesson of some sort. Can you talk for 30 seconds or so about that? Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I've always thought, uh, that I have learned, uh, through, uh, through, through the bad times, you know, through those, uh, you know, and this is definitely a bad time, but, uh, when I went to Al-Anon, that was driven by absolute pain. I was driven towards that. And I learned so much through that process. Uh, 
And this, you know, you never know, like I said, you never know how you're actually going to react or what things are going to save you in that storm. And Mm -hmm. through the storm, I think I've learned where my resiliency lot, where my resilience lies and uh, how to exist on the other side of this tragedy. That makes any sense. I don't know. Well, that makes a ton of sense. It sounds like what you're saying is you identified that your resilience, it was almost validating that it's your resilience that helped you get through this, which then I imagine would build your confidence about handling difficult things. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. Hey, Terry, thanks so much for taking the time with us today, sharing a very personal story. I'm sure our listeners were moved by it. And and again, you're you're just so authentic. This is not scripted. We're aiming for very casual, authentic conversation. One one or two last points before we finish. This is a part of a podcast series kicking off Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month, which is September. It's important that we recognize that there are lost survivors like Terry among us every day. It's important to understand what his experience was like and certainly what his son's was like, which unfortunately led to his death. If you do see someone struggling, it it feels awkward, but you can help by tolerating that awkwardness. If you see someone struggling, say something. Ask them, are you okay? Can I help? And then ask them, are you thinking of ending your life? It really does make a difference. Look out for our next series of podcasts later in this month and throughout fiscal year 2022. Thanks again, Terry. Really appreciate you. And uh, thanks for listening.